Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Checkout. It's a podcast that you can subscribe to. Hopefully you do and find it on our homepage at checkoutjazz.org, where all of our shows are archived, produced at WBGO 88.3 FM in Newark. I'm Simon Rentner. What you're listening to right now, the glorious sounds of one of my favorite bands, Hiatus Coyote from Melbourne, Australia. Belong to love, please don't bury us unless we're seeds. It's been a brutal few years for the genre agnostic group, as reported in many periodicals, including the New York Times. Its frontwoman singer, guitarist, Napalm, has just recovered and survived her battle with cancer, and we are so so happy to hear that. The group doesn't like to speak about her medical condition, so we don't. Instead, we want to just focus on the music, their first release in six years since Choose Your Weapon. The album, entitled Mood Valiant, features an intoxicating mix of original compositions, which includes Colombian gaita flutes, singing bats, and the lone howl of a dog owned by the band's drummer Perrin Moss. On this show, we speak to two founders, Simon Maven on keyboards, Paul Bender on bass, about all of these marvelous sounds, including some of their side projects during the pandemic, a project called Swooping, which features the three band members minus Napalm in an instrumental free improv electronic jazz setting, also, Paul Bender's debut as an MC. Yes, he's a rapper now. All of that coming your way next on this edition of The Checkout. Thanks for checking in. Even though Hiatus Coyote have released only three albums together, whenever they do so, it is definitely an event in the music world. And the beauty of it, it doesn't matter where you're coming to it in the music, jazz, rock, hip hop, R&B, musicians and fans, we all make a point to listen. Their latest recording, Mood Valiant. That quartet includes Naomi, Napalm, Saulfield, vocals, guitar, Perrin Moss, the drummer, percussionist, and we're here with two of its founding members, Paul Bender, bass, electronics, Sam, Simon Maven on keyboards. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this fine morning, this beautiful morning on The Checkout. Hey, 
Well, I can't wait to just dive into this recording, your album that we've all been waiting for because Choose Your Weapon kind of melted everybody's brains in the music industry, at least in my world, in the jazz world. And we were all sort of waiting with bated breath for this new offering. And here it comes right as the pandemic is ending as a beam of light, giving hope to all of us that there are better horizons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it ending? And it's always seems to drag on a bit, yeah. frankly. <laughs> It's it sort of likes to stick around and be continuously annoying. Uh, we're still waiting to do our um, our launch gig in Melbourne because uh, uh, the restrictions in Australia make it very hard to do a, a successful show. So where are you guys in the sort of lockdown? Um, are you about to go on a world tour? Get back to you know full velocity soon no a, a world tour we can't go anywhere man we're, we're, we're lucky to get to sydney dude they keep pulling the rug out from under us you know and it's very tricky to plan anything pretty hard to plan even national shows let alone uh international which we can't even do do yet we, we're gonna go to new zealand hopefully later in the year but um as far as like you know getting to europe or the states or whatever it so seems so far with the first single you dropped, Get Sun, with the Brazilian legend Arthur Verakai. Let's listen to that. So on this composition, Get Sun, um, I understand Napalm was keeping this composition from you from a long time. Like this was something in her arsenal that she was waiting to pull out and then she finally shared it with you? Yeah, it was, it was a very old sketch. 
it was like you know an idea that she had like a sketch that was like predated the band apparently so we hadn't heard it she just pulled it out one time and was like that's cool let's just work on it it was pretty quick right like we we had it for a few days before we went to the studio really we kind of worked on it two or three times before we went into the studio in Byron and, and tracked the tape that we used on the record. It was a kind of a fresh thing for hiatus to do. We don't, we don't really do that that often. We kind of like to go pretty deep into songs normally, but yeah, it's, it, was, it was good. It was a good vibe. And that's what you then sent to Arthur Verakai for the horn and string arrangements? Yeah, we worked on it for a while. It sounded like it could have been a complete track that we could have released, but it was like, why not try? Why not just expand the universe of the song a little bit? So yeah, we sent it to Arthur, he was into it. Went over there and heard what he'd written for the very first time as it was going down. It was wild. I feel like there's mutual appreciation among some of the musicians signed to the Brain Feeder label of Arthur Verokai and his legend, even though he, he doesn't really get his due, at least here in the States. Is there a, a deep cut of Arthur Verokai's that you would share with our audience? Yeah, I mean, as far as a cut, I know that, like, I mean, the whole album's amazing. Uh, off the top of my head, I know maybe Sylvia. Sylvia's great track. He's just a genius dude, you know? Like, that whole album is, um, his whole debut album is um, just so, so incredibly good, start to finish. Um, it was Perrin, I think, that was, like, showed the rest of the band back in the day, that record. So Perrin was the first one to introduce you guys to Arthur's music. But we all love, like, a lot of different um, music from Brazil. Like, we all have our own, you know, kind of different fave. Yeah. Brazilian uh, artists and, and records, um, which is, you know, obviously a very, it's a very wide scope of music, you know. The other thing I love about Get Sun, you allow this entire section just explode and it turns into sort of like a rave dance party. It's nice to really focus on like the sort of specifics of a composition, you know, and get really into the finer points of what makes a song and an arrangement. It's nice to stretch out too, you know. When we went and tracked in the studio, we didn't really know how we were going to finish the track. We just sort of had this sort of vamp and just kind of played it forever. You know, when we got to the ending, it was like, this feels so good to just keep playing, just to trance out on something like that.
Did you guys go to raves as a kid? Do you still go to raves? <laughs> raves? Yeah, um, you know, Simon Maven has definitely been to a few raves in his life. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've all been to some parties in our time. We've all gotten the dance floor, you know. There's definitely a big uh, scene for that in Australia. The Bushdoof scene. <laughs> the Bushdoof scene. Australia's very good at producing hippies. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that I admire so much about your band is when I saw you at Brooklyn Bowl, I can't believe I'm saying this. The artist that you were reminding me the most, just in terms of like how tight yet loose you guys sounded, Ornette Coleman. And I don't know if you guys have conversations with each other around those kinds of ideas of, of both being tight and loose at the same time. And did you ever have those conversations? It's definitely a thing. I mean, it's like, because, you know, it's a fine line, you know. Yeah. You like you want to present, like, all the specifics of what you've worked on, trying to create particular effects of um, an arrangement. This bit's meant to feel a certain way, this part's meant to hit in a certain way, like, everything's there for a purpose, but also just the uh, ability to, like, kind of stretch out on, on stuff and have a certain amount of openness and how other parts are approached you know there's always it's it's like a thing you develop over time you know like this is a part that has to be done a very specific way yeah and this is the part you know that there's like a little bit of uh freedom within that structure it's interesting thinking about the way that you put it and the way that i think the band sort of does it and it's it's less sort of that jazz sort of terminology and and i guess more of a, a pocket thing if that makes sense i i kind of think the way that that perrin and nay and and to us in a certain extent as well sort of think about it is more in terms of a pocket so like it th that that can give you specifics you know when you when, when you're in a song and you're thinking about the pocket of specific sections then that can create the looseness or the tightness I want the DL on swooping. I love that drop on Bandcamp and just all the little miniatures. Uh, to me, it also showcases you as just instrumental jazz musicians in a way. What was the concept of just compiling all of those vignettes? Well, you know, it was basically like that project started because our manager was like putting on some gig and was just like, hey, can you guys play a set at a thing? We didn't have any. Um, you know, repertoire. repertoire. So it just became this project that we would just turn up. 100% improv. We recorded a, a residency, we did at a club, 
over four weeks and we've got a different engineer every week to, to record the sessions. And that, that stuff that you heard is partly a compilation of those recordings and then partly some studio jams that we, we had as well. I love that you guys all share songwriting credit from all of your albums from day one, which seems like a more and more of a rare thing. So on a composition like Chivalry is Not Dead, can I point to either of you in terms of your specific contributions to a song like that? Everyone has to come up with their own parts. And so you're always reacting to each other. It's like, oh, cool, Simon's got that little keyboard line that's his thing. So now what am I going to do in response to that? Meanwhile, parents, you know, experimenting with uh, a really specific drum part. If I were a slug, I would reach out with the And so, you know, if, then I'm trying to like figure out what's that thing that goes sort of in between that and also fits in with like the vocal line, which a section might be sort of like gonna based around. Ultimately, everyone's um, constantly exploring their own uh, like approach to any any given section of any particular tune. Sometimes a song is more written by someone than another song. You know, it might be more fleshed out when it gets into the room, but ultimately everyone's still coming up with like what they want to do on it and responding to that. So it just kind of makes sense to just be like, well, we're all just writing all the songs. We made certain decisions like early on in the band about, you know, like the best sort of uh, approach for like longevity, you know? We split just evenly, you know? Yeah. And there's there's times where it's just like, you know, a certain person in the band has to do a bit more of this task than someone else, and then someone else has to do more of this task, and everyone's got their own responsibilities. Everyone's got their superpower, you know? And that, that sort of comes to the table in different ways. We write all the songs equally, we get all the cut equally. It's just like, let's just, just keep that simple. that time when you were all getting started it was that moment when Taylor McFerrin who's I featured on the show uh, handed a tape to Giles Peterson 
which is one of sort of the organic ways that your music was shared early on that just sort of caught on like wildfire. You almost had no say in your own destiny in a way. You just had a bunch of musicians coming to bat for you in incredible ways through tweets and, and other means. Um, is it kind of amazing to reflect on that moment of just how much success you achieved with your album Tomahawk when you just essentially started the group? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, especially because it's just like, uh, it was completely 100% independently um, released thing on Bandcamp, you know, at the start. So to have not, you know, had any, um, any, any sort of, you know, uh, label money, any sort of marketing um, strategy, any marketing budget really, you know, any of that stuff and just like put it out yourself on Bandcamp, which everyone's doing. And then all of a sudden you realized like Questlove tweeted about you guys and you didn't even know that was coming or like, where were you? You must you must remember exactly where you were when that happened. Yeah, it was at a gig. We found out about it at like, at a, at, at a venue, like we were like doing a, doing a gig at the Evelyn. It was just like Questlove tweeted about you guys like, whoa! I'm trying to pull up the exact tweet because it was just so beautiful. Once in a blue moon, something moves me so much I'm willing to alienate friends when an undeniable project comes along. This, in capital letters, is that project. That's pretty good. Wow, yeah, that's good. I forgot, I forgot how glowing that review was. That's, that's pretty good. can't buy quest love tweeting about you like he wouldn't do it because it's just like you know he's got his he's he's just like i don't i don't promote people uh, only only if he wants to you know so it's um yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of like hype that yeah was you can't pay for you couldn't you couldn't pay prince any amount of money to like hype some bands that he didn't want to so that was pretty crazy. And then I guess you sort of uh, allowed uh, Taylor McFerrin, who was actually the headliner for you guys, I believe uh, you were opening for him. Yeah, at the Esplanade Hotel. Him. It was a horrible gig. The <laughs> there was about four people in the audience to watch us play. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. The, the Esplanade Booker, they, they managed to get american at, at that time they, they managed to get american artists over to play in the espy which is in st kilda which is i mean it's a cool place but it's not like the happening place of melbourne right so they, they'd probably get off the plane rock into the espy and be like where the hell am i it's like a little bit of a decrepit old mansion pub just by the water in in st kilda mm. and and we played and he came out for the last couple of songs of our set and i remember he we he, he came up to me after the set and was like, man, I, he was kind of blown away. It was like, I did not expect to see you guys play here, you know. That was amazing. I'm really a big fan. And yeah, that was kind of the start of it all. And then you gave him the opportunity to reharm and remodel La Puta. 
we, we got him to do a remix. Yeah. We were doing some, like, you know, um, we've always been pretty, very pro, pro remix culture. We um, just became good friends with Taylor over the years. He's still a really good friend. And we always see him whenever we're in the States. It's one of my all time favorite, like, reharms. I swear. I love it. It's incredible. So, we'll hear a little bit of that. there's got to be some stories behind some of these songs because napalm last time she appeared on my show had some incredible stories by fire i believe uh is is a story i'm sure she shared with you about her father stopped me in my tracks um and then she also told the story of her rehabilitating endangered animals in australia I live with wildlife carers, which are people that look after injured animals, injured native wildlife. So you're looking after wedge-tailed eagles and joeys and wombats. It's basically when wild animals get injured and then people look after them. And then you release them back into the wild. You re rehabilitate them and then you release them. And um. When I was little, I lived with a family that did that, so... What was the animal that you uh, formed maybe the closest relationship during that experience? Did you have a few animals that you... Yeah, I have, I have many. Were you friends with a wombat, or...? Yeah, I had a wombat called Bindi that I hand-reared from this, like, pink little thing. Um, I hand-reared a crow, which is what the tattoo on my face is. It was a scratch that I got from her, and when I released her back into the wild, I tattooed over it. I want more stories like that. <laughs> There's gotta be... Yeah, it's okay. There... She's, got all the... she's got all the good either... stories. <laughs> now he's the storyteller, man. Yeah, she's the storyteller. We used to do the grunt work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we know Paul, we know Paul Benders, one of his superpower is, is a rapper. And we'll talk, we'll talk about that in just a second. But according to you, Simon, what what else is uh, Paul Bender's uh, you know superpower in your mind? Yes, yeah, Simon. What's Paul Bender's? Jesus, man, put me on the spot. Paul Bender's superpower. He um, <laughs> he has he has he he's got a pretty damn good photographic memory. I'll say that he's got the ability to to pretty much pull up any song and be able to do it um, pretty easily. 
it's we we he his his superpower his super name would be karaoke bender is that true do you have a photographic memory uh not for most things but for like songs i don't know it's like it, it's there's lots of kinds of information that i will never be able to remember but i can remember how to play songs and it's also a very fun game i like to play at parties when it's that point where it's just like there's a guitar around and we play karaoke bender and then people just yell song names at me and then i try to a remember them or just try to figure them out in my head as we're doing it um and just wing it just wing it while people are drunk it's something i really enjoy the challenge of uh <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I have a memory for songs. I have a memory for music that I I don't have for like most things. I don't know. There's some weird like process going on in my brain where it just works. I'm like the dude of the Matrix, like looking at all the numbers and seeing the woman in, with the red dress. You know what I mean? But <laughs> with music, I wish I could apply that to other areas of my life. But uh, it's just that one. I've kind of got that with where I put things. I can always remember where I put things, which is like a really terrible superpower. Oh, it's not too bad. I think Simon Maven's, Maven's superpower is uh, is is bargain hunting. Oh, this yeah. dude knows how, like, so pretty much most of the amazing music gear uh, we, we, we sort of have in our periphery, in our world, is um, Simon finding online on, like... Um, Facebook Marketplace and Gumtree, which is essentially like, you know, just like a, a kind of classifieds thing, sort of like Craigslist or something. Um, like the other week was uh, maybe maybe one of the biggest finds yet. Um, a real harpsichord, double manual harpsichord for $0. Literally someone was getting rid of a harpsichord for nothing. And he just saw it, hit him up. A couple of hours later, we were in a van driving it to my place i'm like what the f just happened it's worth like seven and a half thousand euro um <laughs> apparently so yeah that's 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 pretty insane i hear gaita flutes on hush rattle so who was in the mountains of Colombia, and was that sort of the structure of the song that follows? Uh, yeah, no, what was that was not recorded in Colombia. It was, was in fact recorded in Coburg um, yeah. from a friend of Nays. Um, she really loves that flute. Very happy to have that on the on, on Rosewater. Um, yeah, it worked really well on the track. It's a very evocative sound, very soothing about that tonality. I think it works really well with the track as well with that, that, that polyrhythmic aspect like having those tones swelling around in that sort of five over four thing is just a, a really beautiful meditative kind of feeling. And we're very inspired by um, there's a there's an amazing uh, 
video uh, you should find on uh, YouTube of um, Hermeto uh, Pasquale um, in, a, in a river with a bunch of, bunch of dudes. They're like literally just playing flutes um, in a river. It might be the Amazon, I don't know, but there's like all these butterflies flying around and they're like dipping in and <laughs> out of the water. That's it's what it always magic. sort of reminds me of. It's like that kind of like energy, very free, you know, wholesome energy. I can actually say that I've seen that video. I know exactly what you're talking about. The genius that is Ermetu Pasquale. And Ermetu is known for playing along with all kinds of animals, uh, farm animals, uh, harmonizing with them, playing in sync with them. How many animals have you guys collectively played along with or sampled? There's so many animal sounds on every Hiatus Coyote album. There's, there's actually so many. There's a dog on, on Mood Valley and at some point. If you can find it, I'll be, I'll be impressed. Yeah, that's Pablo, Perrin's dog. He's featured on the record um, on... There's on, a single bark somewhere. But there's also on on Blood and Marrow, there's the sound of um bat echo location, which is really cool. You can hear it at the beginning, it kind of sounds like birds and stuff, but it's actually bats, which yeah, is pretty dope. But it's been like pitched down like a few octaves so we can actually hear it. So there's been cicadas, there's been Frogs, there's been owls, big, yeah, owls, and there's been whales, there's been lots and lots of kinds of birds. Did you know Charlie Parker? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Charlie Parker is the name of Napalm's bird that recently passed away, I understand. He was the, like the band mascot, basically, and he was the best. The amount of times he screamed into the, the vocal microphone that was in rehearsals it was fantastic. We all loved that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, you both, for joining us, talking about your latest recording, Mood Valiant. We love it, and we can't wait to see you live again in concert. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. No worries, man. Thank yeah, you. Man. Thanks for having us. Awesome. And sorry, Paul, I didn't get to talk to you about your rapping. That, well, maybe that, that, I'll, that, I'll just, we'll just talk to you about it before it, it ends. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest question, Paul, why didn't you choose an alter ego? It also very much reminds me of what Chili Gonzalez is doing. Are you a fan? Yeah, I don't know Chili Gonzalez. Yeah, I know Chili. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like, why not? Why not use my own name? Why hide? Why pretend to be something else? I'll just like own it. Who cares? It was 2020. Everything was absurd. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little story about a self-conscious rapper. Might be pretty good or very much crapper. My first rap CD might hurt me when they tease me. Made this in a mania, not feeling very breezy. Fella from Tasmania, make beats so very easy. I hope I'm not just draining ya. I hope I'm not too cheesy. G, not like Easy E, but I still got flow though. Heavy like a period. I'm up, bro, not a hope though. Sorry for my words being so adolescent, so effervescent. Yeah, I'm a king. Yeah, I'm a peasant. So unpleasant. Trying not to give a fuck about it. Anyway, any day, hopefully won't look like a guy who gotta go to Jenny Craig. Where my Betty page? I ain't past my petty phase. Microwave some ready-made. 
Serenade like a renegade, heating up centigrade. Do a lot of things where I'm never paid. Do it for the love, never for the accolades. This much technique after one year, I'll hit my peak after one beer. At one side, hand in the one ear, mother. Listen, I made it very clear. The host of the ghost train with the most brains smokes the most strains. Huh? Spooky guy, get your hella high. Take you for a ride. Do you wanna cry? Mix with Stella Box, getting hella stuck. Smell like hella socks, swell like fellas. So nasty, so professional. Slip into the booth for another confessional. Don't need a priest, so you are arrestable. Keep saying words that are so regrettable. Only thing I feel is synthesizers. Sounds like pulling teeth with some pliers. Do raps, cause is fire, what you hear me preach you in the choir? I got fresh rhymes but a bad voice Not my first time on a bad choice I got more words like I'm James Joyce A Volvo mixed with a Rolls Royce Well studied so I got a lot of knowledge You dumb so I sent you back to college My raps you never expected Going in raw like I'm unprotected My heroes see all dirty Bastard so crazy This is Paul Bender's debut as an MC This tune, Self-Conscious MC And you can get it on Bandcamp Along with the other band's project called Swooning. I recommend that you check that out too. Mood Valiant, of course, is the name of most of the sounds you heard today. And if you like the show, please give us a review on Apple Music or wherever you subscribe to the podcast for that matter. Five stars, five stars. And you can follow us on social media. Our handle on Twitter is at Checkout Jazz. We have a Facebook page too. And you can find me on Instagram. Self-conscious MCs. Self-conscious MCs. Self-conscious MCs. The Checkout is a production of WBGO Newark. I'm Simon Rettner. Thanks for checking us out.